Hi, everyone, and welcome to this installment of California Employment News, the new series from Weintraub's Employment Group. I'm Ryan Abernethy here with Lucas Clary, and we're both attorneys in the employment team here at Weintraub. Today, we'll be going over the regular rate of pay, some of its unusual features, and the risks of getting it wrong. Also, we'll cover how employers can get it right. Lucas, uh, why don't you give us some basic information about the regular rate of pay, uh, what it is exactly, and what needs to be included in it? Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, so the regular rate of pay is the hourly rate that employers should use anytime they're required to pay employees for something other than their standard working time. So for example, when a non-exempt employee is owed overtime, their overtime rate will be one and a half or two times their regular rate of pay. Similarly, employees get paid at the regular rate of pay for all sick leave hours they take uh, or when they get an extra hour of pay as a premium payment for missing a meal and rest break. So for all of these purposes, there can be a tendency to think employees receive their normal base hourly rate, but that might not always be the correct amount. First, if an employee receives a salary, but otherwise fails to qualify as exempt from overtime and the like, uh, which is a different conversation for a different day, then that employee's uh, base hourly rate will be 140th of that salary. Also, if an employee receives a base hourly rate uh, but also receives another type of compensation, then those other types of compensation may have to be considered when determining the regular rate of pay. So for example, commission payments, objective-based production bonuses, piece rate earnings, um, even the value of meals and lodging or any cash received in lieu of health benefits, all of these things have to be included in the regular rate of pay. And what that means is the total amount earned under all these forms of payment throughout a work week must be divided by the total number of hours, regular non-overtime hours that the employee worked during that work week to get that regular rate of pay. And then you use that number, that regular rate of pay for the purposes of paying sick hours or missed meal premiums or for calculating overtimes, whether it's one and a half or two times the regular rate of pay for overtime purposes. So that's how it works. And Ryan, now that people's heads are spinning about that, why don't you provide a little relief by telling them some things that do not need to be included in the regular rate of pay? Certainly. Thanks, Lucas. Yeah. After that, it could very well seem like every single payment that you make to an employee needs to be included in the overtime rate calculation. Uh, but there are actually at least three categories of items that we can exclude from the regular rate calculation because they're not considered wages. Okay. So the first exclusion um, is for payments that could be categorized as gifts or gratuities. Um, so this would include employer contributions to retirement plans, life and insurance uh, benefits, things like that. Um, it also includes holiday bonuses or other payments given to employees, you know, that are considered a reward for service or loyalty. Um, so long as the amounts paid aren't directly linked or measured by the employer's hours worked or the employer's production or efficiency. Um, otherwise, it would make it look a little bit more like wages. Um, the second category of payments that don't need to be included in the regular rate um, is for uh, periods where no work is actually being performed. So this would include vacation pay, paid time off, you know, sick pay or similar payments like that. Um, the third category is uh, expense reimbursements. And these obviously um, you know, aren't considered wages and wouldn't need to go in the, the regular rate. 
Um, now, there was a pretty significant legal development on this issue a few months ago in uh, the California Supreme Court. So under California law, um, traditionally, uh, non-exempt employees who are not provided compliant meal or rest breaks have always been entitled to this extra hour of pay under the labor code. Um, this payment is called a premium. And we discussed this premium in more details, uh, sorry, in more detail in another one of our episodes. Um, so many employers were paying these premiums out at the employee's base hourly rate. Okay, so the Supreme Court recently held that these actually need to be paid out at the often higher um, regular rate of pay. And the court also held that their ruling applies retroactively. Um, so what this uh, left is a bunch of employers sitting there holding a bunch of liability. Uh, so Lucas, why don't you share with us some of the risks that employers face for getting the regular rate wrong? Right. So you might be thinking, this is too big of a burden to comply with. And a lot of employers do. And they think, I'll just keep going, doing what I've been doing and pay the calculation the way I've been paying it. And if I ever get called out on it, I'll pay the difference. So here's the problem with that approach. If an employer fails to pay the correct regular rate of pay and that practice is challenged in court or before the labor commissioner, then back paying the correct amount is only one part of the exposure. Employers will also face potential penalties under the labor code for each pay period, period in which they got it wrong. Uh, if an underpaid employee has already left the company, this can also trigger what are called waiting time penalties because they didn't get all of their wages before they left. And that can entitle the employee to another up to 30 days of extra pay. And since an employer who gets this wrong with one employee likely is getting it wrong with all of the employer's non-exempt employees, this also means that these types of legal challenges come in the form of class action or representative actions commonly, meaning not just the single employee asserting the claim, but asserting it on behalf of the entire non-exempt workforce. That will uh, bring about exposure going back uh, on back payments and penalties going back for a period of one to four years, depending on the claim brought. And then of course there are the legal fees. With these types of claims, not only are employers on the hook for their own legal fees potentially in defending them, but you may also be asked to pay the employee's legal fees if they prevail on a claim against you. So when you add all of that up, penalties, the fees, the, the class and representative action stuff going back four years, this can be huge exposure to a business if you get this stuff wrong. It can be crippling. So it's really important to get it right. Great. Thank you, Lucas. And thank you all for joining us on this episode of California Employment News. Viewers can find more episodes on Weintraub's YouTube channel or on the lelawblog.com. And always feel free to like and subscribe so you can stay on top of the ongoing legal developments.